This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. And I'm pleased to welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour this morning. Joining us for the full hour, former Raptors coach Butch Carter and uh, former uh, Toronto Maple Leaf, Washington Capitol, Buffalo Sabre, and uh, wherever else you played, of course, our good friend Lou Franceschetti. Good morning, Butch. Good morning, Lou. Good morning. How are you today? Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Thank you very much. As usual, joining me in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning. How are you, Naz? Good, Wally. How are you? Good. Uh, Big heavyweights here today. That's good. <laughs> it's going to be tough getting a word in edgewise. Well, that's why you want to end the year. <laughs> with these two guys. Anyways, just want to let our listeners know this is, this is our last show for 2016. Next uh, Sunday, of course, is uh, Christmas morning, and uh, we won't be here. And our next show will be January the 1st, and we'll be in a new year, 2017. So uh, certainly a lot to talk about today. Uh, a lot of things happened in the world of sports in the year 2016. And I guess a lot of things to look forward to in the year 2017. Um, Naz, Toronto franchises, positive Negative this year. Wrap it up for us. What's well, uh, your sense a, of? I uh, think it's a positive. The Jays went to uh, the Final Four. The uh, Raptors went to the Final Four. The Leafs are on their way, possibly to a p- playoff spot. They're playing well. I mean, what, uh, Toronto FC went to, to the finals. It's let's, been good. Let's, let's talk about uh, uh, the, the Maple Leafs first, uh, of course, and then we can we can revolve it around last night's game. I don't know if you were at the game last night, Lou, or uh, if you watched the game or if you watched the game, Butch, but certainly uh, they took on the Stanley Cup champions last night, and uh, I know, Naz, uh, you, you're a keen observer and noticed that it was the second night in the row for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But, That's uh, right. Um, a big victory. So with big victory, Lou, taking on the Stanley Cup champions and uh, almost 50 shots on net, uh, winning it in overtime, which uh, hasn't been the Leafs' forte this year. What does that What does that mean for the morale of a team? I, I think anytime you win, period, is going to be a uh, is going to be a big factor, especially with these uh, what I call them baby diapers, uh, <laughs> because it's uh, uh, they're all so young and. Uh, so talented, and uh, I love the way they're playing this year. It's almost like run and gun, and uh, Babcock is letting them play as long as they uh, follow uh, d- uh, their directed detail, so to speak. And uh, it-, it was great last night. It doesn't really matter with it. I know they played L.A. the night before, uh, but you know what? Those are all excuses. Pittsburgh, because they are the Stanley Cup champs, they got to come out and play uh, because everybody's gunning for them because they were the best last year. And it was great the way they played. Uh, uh, I just love the, the the fierce, the tenacity that they have. The mind you, they do only play at home sometimes. Uh, you know, if if they can play that way on the road, 
uh, and walk into other buildings and give that uh, little extra like they like they do at home. Uh, I think the future is uh, very very good for this uh, franchise. What's your reaction to last night's game? Is it a, does it in the grand scheme of things beating the Stanley Cup champions after sort of a up and down week that uh, how much does this advance a young team? Well, I think it's irrelevant. From uh, the Penguins have dominated the Leafs since 2005, uh, since Malkin and Crosby were, have been there. Their averages against the Leafs in that period of time is, you know, through the roof. Um, I'm still excited about what Babcock does every day with those guys. It's one presser that I actually enjoy listening to. I think he tells the truth about where his team's at, and he also gives direct reflection to the players on what they need to do to improve. I think he has to turn them loose and let them bump their head. What any good coach, I believe, does, you take young players, you got to turn them loose and let them bump their head, and then he'll bring them back and discipline when he needs to in, 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 in the right manner. So um, I just think that they need to go backward for another year. They, In my opinion, they clearly need to get better on the defensive side of the puck. And uh, only going backwards is going to give them a high enough draft point pick to do that. I want to pick your brain on this one, Butch. Um, you, you coached uh, you coached the Raptors at a point in time where they were sort of just coming of age in in the late uh, '90s, and you weren't there for very long. Uh, I mean, we brought in Carter, we brought in McGrady. There was this great hope for the future back then, and, and unfortunately, you weren't around to see that future for for reasons we don't necessarily need to discuss today. Uh, any parallels between this Toronto Maple Leaf team and in that Raptor team that you were that with with Carter and McGrady that you were a part of? Well, there's huge difference because the whole front office are hockey guys, right? When I was there, there was no basketball guy. I was the only basketball person, and as soon as I took them the direction we needed to go, then all of a sudden the non the non basketball guys became geniuses. So you know it's it's totally different. He's got all the support anyone would need. You got you got Shanny and Lou upstairs. I mean, there's a whole bunch of knowledge. You stick your head in one of those meetings, you know, and you've got you know 50 years of really good winning stuff, and uh, that that's a huge asset. So um, you know, it's we were in infancy. No one knew what they were doing. You know, the ownership changed over. You know, I I'd actually think that. You know, it was sold at a at a rock bottom price because of the uh, over cost overruns on the ACC. So, you know, I think it's an entirely different. Everything's stable. Uh, you know, what I've learned, sports is very fluid, but in reality, you can have the best front office, the best coach, that gives you the best chance. But in reality, the the kids have to learn how to play, and they don't learn how to play by staying on a farm system forever. Um, you know, like I've always said, with young people, I believe you, you have to let them bump their head. And then, you know, you got to tell them, come back to the old book. And there's old books in the library, and they got lots of them that are really well-knowledge well on, the, on, the, on the winning side, championship side. So I think they're at a, at a huge advantage, and I think it's a cycle, hopefully, that it gets turned the right direction. Yeah, this team is a lot different. The Leafs are a young team. The Raptors back then were an older version. Even though you had Carter and McGrady, there was an, that was an older team, right, Butch? Yeah, I had to import, I had to import the experience to, 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 basically to protect them. They were, in my opinion, young players physically can't withstand the 82-game schedule. So, you know, I imported some old guys to finally protect them and let them fly in the air, and people couldn't take them out because of Oakley and Antonio Davis. So, you know, 
in in the hockey terms, they were, I bought in I bought in three enforcers: Willis, Davis, and Oakley. And their job was to knock the shit out of anyone that even looked at taking one of those young kids out. I really liked uh, again with these Leafs. Uh, you got to remember these are all kids, and uh, the the rules and uh, that they're given when they were juniors. They're just going out to play. And the toughest part about kids coming in nowadays is to play on the other side of the puck. And what Babcock has done, he's laid it down with the Nylander this year. We're going to let you play your style. But if you don't play on the other side of the puck, you're not going to play at all. He did it last year with Van Riemsdyk and Bozak and Lupel at the start of the year when he first came in because they weren't playing up to the way they were on the other side of the puck. They were playing the old style. But the kids nowadays... They're going to let them play because they got a lot, a lot of talent. You see that by the shots on, on net this year. I, I can't remember the last time I saw a Leaf team outshoot teams in the 40s and 50s. But if you don't play on the other side of the puck this year, and, and we talked about it earlier about Jake Gardner and people like that, you're not going to play in his system and you're going to be gone. And, and it's amazing how a lot of the young kids have actually bought into the system this early in their careers. Bring up Jake Gardner. There's a parallel between the play of Jake Gardner and Terrence Ross. Terrence Ross was considered uh, a talented guy, but didn't get the job done. But he's getting the job done this year, and so is uh, uh, Gardner. Well, I'd like for him to expand for the fan base on on the on the other side of the puck, because in my opinion as a coach, there's nothing more valuable than a two way player. All right, two way players in basketball, they will pay through the teeth for. And that basically means between the free throw lines that they're very good going offense to defense and very good going defense to offense. Could you would you expand on that? So, well, I I think it's more or less you've got to play on the defensive side of the puck, just like on the defensive side of the ball. It's all hard work. It's not talent. Uh, you look at all the hard workers in basketball, in football. They go into the dirty areas. They're the big rebounders. They're the guys that they go into the corners. They're the guys that they take the hit. Uh, just to get the puck out over three feet. There's a cardinal rule in hockey that the most important part of the ice is five feet inside each blue line because it's so important to keep that puck in and not to give that gap up. So, But you, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but you, perhaps you made the point. You've been with us on the show quite a few times. I don't remember if it was who. It was one of you two guys that said for a team to be successful, your best players have to be your hardest working players. I said that, that's, the, that's the Babcock rule and, uh, and Kenny Holland rule. That was in Detroit. Zetterberg and Datsuk are your hardest workers in practice. And Franzen and, and uh, who else? Uh, there's another guy there, from the, the Swedish kid, uh, that if they're not your hardest workers, your young Holmstrom. kids have nobody to look up to. Holmstrom. And, you know, you made a great point. You brought in Willis. You brought in Davis. You brought in Oakley. Those are three guys that you don't really – I can't use the word on <laughs> on the radio. Be careful. <laughs> Be careful. You, you don't mess with those three guys. Yeah. And they're perfect guys to bring in. Because Carter and, and McGrady, they're great talented. You know, Car- uh, McGrady came out of high school and Carter came out of North Carolina. They could pretty well do whatever they want. It's like, I'll tell you another example, is the, the Blue Jays. Blue Jays, three years ago, their dressing room was an asylum. Because you had Laurie, you had Batista coming in, you had Reyes, you had Cabrera. Now, all of a sudden, they get rid of Cabrera, they get rid of Reyes, and they get rid of Laurie. Batista's still there and Edwin's still there. Edwin's not going to bother anybody. But Batista, when they brought in Russell Martin, when they brought in Donaldson, when they brought in guys that are that have their work ethics go through the wall, they're going to say, guys, listen, we're not here to screw around. We're here to play and we're here to win. So if there's anything that happens 
on the floor in, in practice especially, they'll grab them by the throat and says, this isn't the way we play, guys. And they'll get the message real quick. Got in studio this morning the Nazawali Sports Hour. Of course, that's the voice of Lou Franceschetti. Also joining us for the entire hour in studio is Butch Carter. Before we go to break, we're going to go to break a little bit later than we normally do. I want to throw this last question out before we go to break to, to all three of you, including you, Naz. Um, the Shana, Brendan Shanahan came in with the plan that, uh, in quotation marks, they call it the Shanna plan. That's what the media calls it. Brought in Lou Lamarillo and, you know, Mark Hunter and Kyle Dubas and... Uh, you know, completely gutted the team, uh, eviscerated the team, and for all fired all the coaching, uh, the uh, the coaching staff, the scouting staff, basically started from square one. We're we're about two years into it. Uh, we we appear to have a core, a young core: Nylander, Riley, uh, Matthews, uh, Marner. Uh, appear to have a young core. Appear to have a solid goalie. Uh, we're at a, a, a crucial point in the team's development, and I want to throw it out to, to you guys. Um, obviously, it appears to go in the right direction. Where do they go from here? There have been a lot of examples in the past where you've created you know, a little bit of young talent, but that talent's not necessarily gotten a franchise over the top. What do they have to do from here to get to, never mind the playoffs, let's say to the Final Four? What do they have to do and how long will it take? I'll throw it to you first, Butch. You know, I, I, I would uh, reference my friend here to the left on that because at the, end, at the end of the day, you know, what I've learned about hockey is that you, you need at least three good shifts and always an extra good defenseman in the playoffs because of injuries. Because if guys are blocking puck, pucks with their body, someone's going to get injured. So... Uh, I just think that they have to improve their talent because the combination of three shifts or four shifts in hockey is a much bigger dynamic than basketball where you have seven or eight players and you can have one or two stars carry you. So, you know, I'm going to defer on this. I mean, you know, that's my opinion. I just think I just think they keep need to, they need to keep loading up and, and Hunter's got to find the right guys for them. Lou? Well, you know, it's, uh, Butch, it's, it's like... I, I don't follow basketball as, as well as you do, but the Raptors aren't going to win unless they find an answer for LeBron James, uh, <laughs> right? And and that's what it's going to come down to in in Raptorland. With the Leafs, I still think, you know, if you look at the team right now, he's trying to mold this team to the, what he had with the Detroit Red Wings in the early 2000s. You look at the, the small little pieces, the Hymans, the, the Sisnikovs, the Komarovs, all these guys, they're all hard workers. They'll all go into the dirty areas. They're not great, talented players, but you have talent with Marner. You got Austin Matthews. You got Needlander. Uh, you got uh, Riley on the on the rear end. Now, what I think they're missing, they're, they're probably missing a little bit more size, and that's why the Van Riemsdyk thing uh, makes a little bit of sense because he's going to ask for top dollar. But if you can get a couple more players to, to fit in some more pieces and two defensemen, that, that are guys that, guys, if you stand in front of the net, you're going to pay the price. Right now, I think they're a little small, and I think they're a little soft to compete uh, for the, the top eight in, uh, in the whole league. The yeah. least model looks like Chicago so a few years ago when they had Taze and Kane, when Kane came across. What they're missing is Keith. What they're missing is Keith, exactly. <laughs> and, Seabrook. Missing, and Seabrook. Those and two Seabrook. defensemen. And they're, uh, and they're stalwarts on the Chicago defense. And that's what the difference that I look at that team of the Leafs, they remind me of Chicago so much. And uh, Louis is right. they got to make some changes to be uh, bigger up front. 
Now, John Tavares becomes a, may become a free agent after next year. That would be a perfect fit with him and Matthews. It would be like Crosby and Malkin in Pittsburgh. Wouldn't it be nice to have two centers like that? Be incredible. Certainly, uh, we'll, we'll we'll come back uh, and we'll pick up that con- that discussion and and, and, and various other uh, discussions. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. It's our year-end edition. It's our last show of the year. We'll be right back after the break. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when they got up in my grill. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. You get two Ponzerotti with two toppings per, plus ten chicken wings, I say for sure. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. That's nineteen ninety nine. A deal, for real, a steal. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. Yo, visit pizzaville.ca or pound 3636 from your cell phone, word. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Bond. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. They never argue sports. They just explain while they're always correct. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village on the new AM740. And once again, if you're listening in downtown Toronto and uh, your signal's bouncing off all those towers... You can tune us in on 96.7 and get a FM and get a crystal clear signal with us. Joining us in studio this morning on our last edition for 2016 of the Nazawali Sports Hour is, of course, former Raptors coach Butch Carter and former Toronto Maple Leaf Lou Franceschetti. Lou, uh, I'm going to forget about your Washington Capitol and Buffalo Sabre career. You're just an ex-Leaf for us today. 
That's well, unfortunate because that's where <laughs> that's where I spent my least amount of time. <laughs> Anyways, we had a we had a, a a far and wide ranging discussion about the Toronto Maple Leafs and uh, their prospects. So let's uh, let's change the subject a little bit and go to uh, let's talk about the Toronto Raptors. Uh, Toronto Raptors uh, had a great run last uh, last spring. Butch. Uh, Got to the sixth game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Probably, perhaps, may have overachieved a little bit. I'll let you comment on that. But where are the Raptors uh, today, and what are their prospects going forward in 2017? Well, the Raptors are one of the best teams in basketball. Um, They're vulnerable from the standpoint of their free throw attempts drastically decrease when they get in the playoffs against good teams. So they're getting a whistle during the regular season, especially against poor teams where DeMar and Kyle are shooting, you know, 20 to 30 free throws a game. And they're very good from the free throw line. And then they get into the playoffs, especially, you know, their Achilles heel has always been uh, they've never had a great wing defender to defend LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Jimmy Butler, Paul George. And that is their Achilles heel to this day. So, um, like, last time I was here, you know, DeMar has grown tremendously um, but his his real challenge on being a great player in the city of Toronto for the Raps is the defeat of and get to the finals uh, by beating one of those guys in their teams. They're the, uh, surprisingly, they're the third youngest team in the NBA, but the continuity, we talked about that with Butch, uh, they've been together for so long, and that's what makes them so good because all these other teams are making changes all over the place. The Raptors haven't made that many changes, but they do have two first-round picks next year, and they look like they're really young on the bench and in, in their depth. Do they trade those two picks and pick up another player, Butch? They may trade someone before the trade deadline because the, basically I think it is you sit in the, you sit in the office and you decide, how, what gives you the best chance of being in the finals? And being in the finals may be, look, the, the picks aren't worth anything if you keep picking the wrong guy. So, you know, you take one of the picks or two of the picks and package them with, you know, one of your assets that's currently playing and, and say, you know, and say are, you know is it going to make us better? Uh, you know, the other problem they have is JV. You know, it's it's inconsistent on what he does and when he does it. There are no centers, you know, basically, you know, Orlando's got two, but, you know, there are no really no centers at JB's caliber, and none of them in his age bracket. So, um, you know, I think they have to sit in there and decide if they play cards with the, with the ones in their hand or, you know, they throw a couple in and draw and, and, and draw a couple more. What happens with Cousins? There, there's talk about Cousins coming here. Uh, I don't think you like that move at all. Listen you? to me. <laughs> all right. Whatever they do. I would not trade for Marcus Cousin, all right? I mean, they don't listen to me, but on this one, all right? We hope they do. Hey, man, leave them alone, man. Butch, what about one of the young kids out of Philly, maybe? Because they've, they've more or less, they've stockpiled so many big kids uh, in the first early draft choices the last three or four years. There's got to be one of them that, that's going to have to, that gives you a little bit more flexibility than, than JV does. I don't like Philly's team at all. They traded the one good player, Grant, to Oklahoma City. I watched him play a little bit last night. He is a live body, which you need in, in the playoffs. Uh, uh, Philly has been a team that's been put together with no structure on two-way players. So they got a center and they got another center, but they got they don't have the two or three guys that are going to be a beast between the free throw lines and be two way players. 
and you know their their, their guard decisions on who they've been playing at guard is are D league players. So you know I look for Philly to be active in the free agent. I would think um, Brian would would talk to Andy Miller and see if he can get Kyle to come home for a whole bunch of money. Um, but I you know I'd be very hesitant of doing a deal with. Uh, with Philly. You don't think with bringing one of those young kids into this system, into this stability, uh, you know how it is when it's when you go from one franchise and you're more or less like a, a lonesome wolf out there and you come to a franchise where it's it's a big family, you, you get your spirits up and your whole game changes? Well, I, I think coming to Toronto, the way the, uh, the, the way they built the culture around the Raps uh, does change people. Uh, it's chained Kyle and, and people said no one can change Kyle. And um, Masai put his men boots on and sat down and had a talk I with I was Kyle. one of them too. Right? Yes. Yeah. Right? So I think uh, I've always said, look, I stayed here. It's it's a wonderful place for an African-American athlete to come play and not have to worry about all the stuff that goes on in the States. It is an unbelievable place to play. So I, I think they have built on that culture, and uh, it is their culture. They own it, uh, which is extremely important. And um, – Anyone that comes here, I think, has a chance to play better. Uh, Casey is a master at not doing too much. Uh, he does enough. He doesn't overcoach. He doesn't overstress, except during the game. But as far as <laughs> his, from the outside, um, Casey has allowed those guys to grow. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's been able to manage back and forth between the players and upstairs. And he's just done a, he's just done a really good job, I think. The guys have let him down a little bit when they've been unprofessional and not gone out and beaten bad teams and got the game out of the way. It cost them a playoff position, uh, a home court advantage, and they just need to mature. As professionals, they need to mature and take care of their business. If they want to get to the NBA Finals, it's really more in the hands of the players right now because I think the coaching staff has, has matured. Uh, drastically from when when a uh, case first came here, Messiah has made a big difference there. He came from Denver and came to Toronto. Toronto turned instantly into a winner, and Denver has gone downhill ever since. How how much of a key is he to the organization? Well, I, I don't even I don't know Messiah at all. Uh, I seen him in the airport, uh, and he wouldn't even say hello to me. So you know, I don't know Messiah. Um, but what? He has done based on what the players have said. You know his presence, uh, the recruitment uh, of uh, of Carroll from Atlanta um, was basically Carroll felt it was the presence of Messiah. So um, you know I don't know him. He Messiah is smart enough to know that he's always you know not far from success or not far from failure, and that's the part that is probably to his advantage. He grew up in Africa. He knows that there's a lion in in the forest. Um, but I think he's more jaguar than than lion, and jaguars eat alligators. So, um, you know, that's just my outside opinion. Well, I, I think I, I, hold on, I, I got to digest that one. <laughs> yeah, jaguars. Jaguars is a one cat that will attack and eat an alligator. Interesting. We learned it's something funny, this when, morning. When Messiah, when Messiah did get was brought here, the two uh, the two trades that he made was getting rid of Rudy Gay. Yeah. And get rid of our fellow uh, compadre Bargnani to New York, and he parlayed that pretty good with two first-round picks. So those are two deals that uh, that have really helped this franchise uh, turn the corner. But, but as you said, uh, Lowry and DeRozan, I don't want to use the words have taken their game to a different level, but 
uh, certainly DeRozan seems to be a, a much improved player, and and Lowry, of course, is Lowry. Um, where do they rank in the pantheon of premier players in the NBA now, based on their current performance? Well, they they have a chance to rank pretty high because this franchise has been pretty consistent in letting them play, and they've been all stars. They've now won an Olympic gold medal, so I, I think it it uh, it works very well for them. I don't as a talent. The the point guards are in the West. You know, the most dangerous backcourt guys are in the West. And in, in the East, it's it's pretty putrid. Um, DeMar has made himself a player. You know, I still struggle with the fact that, uh, you know, his left hand, he is the best mid-range shooter maybe in the NBA. Um, they keep letting him get to, the, to his right hand. If he let him get to his right hand, he will kill you. Um, so he is... Uh, as good as he's made himself, he's put the work in, he's been a good citizen, I don't think you can ask for much more from DeMar except when you get to the playoffs. Butch, I've always respected you as, as one of the brightest minds in basketball, and I'm constantly amazed at uh, your basketball knowledge. Um, so I'm going to draw upon it. I'm going to envision, and I know you have the highest respect for Masai and, and Dwayne Casey. We're in a seven-game series, uh, Eastern Conference uh, finals this spring, Toronto against Cleveland. How do you win that series? How do the Raptors win that series? First, you've got to hope that DeMar Carroll is healthy because uh, he he has he has the strength and fortitude to fight LeBron. But you got to go all the way back to DeMar Carroll got injured defending LeBron before he came here. That's how he injured his knee. The other one is starts with JV. JV has got to get consistent touches so he can exploit uh, and get Tristan Thompson out of the game. You cannot play basketball with Tristan Thompson's energy and let him run around free and he doesn't have to guard anyone. You, you can't do it. Kyrie Irving uh, has proven to be one of the best shooters, open shooters in the NBA. Um, so Kyle has a job to do there. And um, so the matchups start with Everyone thinks it's LeBron, LeBron, you know, LeBron's a beast, but if you let LeBron get all his points and shut the other guys down, you're fine. You can't let Tristan get 10 offensive rebounds and give him, you know, 10 second shots. You know, it's it, it, it defeats. So the biggest issue for right now that, that Casey is trying to get, bring him back from is, oh, greatest scoring offense. Well, their defensive field goal percentage is not very good, and it's it's got to get back. And it all starts. That all starts with that whole two-way concept. But the league is going to this: let them play, let them play. Then 125-point games. But what happens is that if you're very good at scoring 125-point games, you're normally not very good at playing a 100-point game. And so it goes back to the old Denver Nuggets, where uh, where they used to let them Dan Issel, um, Kiki Vanderway. They used to let them score all the points, and then they get in the playoffs, and everything was locked down, and you get an extra foul. So you could foul a guy twice. They would only call a foul once you fouled him the second time. So that's that's the conundrum that they're in right now. And, uh, you know, Case has identified it. He said it publicly that, oh, yeah, we're marvelous. We're scoring a bunch of points. But as far as if he said, hey, we want to win a 90-point game right now, I, th- I think they would, they would struggle because they, they've been given so much freedom. And the Eastern Conference teams are really bad. And that doesn't help them. It would be better if the Eastern Conference teams were good, where there were four or five teams that they know were playoff games every time they seen them. So they'd have a you know twenty or twenty five playoff games before they even get there. 
But right now, who? What's a Raptor rivalry? Calm. Tell me what the rivalry is in the East outside of Cleveland. You know, and you got to beat Cleveland to call it a rivalry. That's true. Now, would you be interested in Andrew Wiggins as a free agent when it, he comes up? <clears throat> Andrew Wiggins, I said from the time he was at Kansas, he's coming home. You know, I don't know how they're going to do it. When? When? Well, I mean, he, he, whenever he contractually he's free. But, but Wiggins is, is, is pure Canadian. You know, I mean, as far as, you know, he grew up here. He loves it here. Uh, uh, his mother's here. His grandmother's here. You know, I think at the end of the day, if he gets a chance to come home, he's coming home. LeBron came home. So, uh, you know. I, Wiggins comes home. He owns the country. He doesn't own the country unless he. He, he, he farms. He, yeah, right. Well, and which, he, in which he'll, he'll, he'll do that, right? But I think. I think he's. Uh, I think he he loves uh, uh, the Queen Mother, and and he's gonna come home. What, Talk, when, when would? Go ahead. We, the, we're we're go talking ahead. about that. He is coming home. We know after free agency, after six or seven years in the National Hockey League, you're you're expected free agent, and certain teams will buy maybe an extra year or two on your. When would he be allowed to explore coming home? With his contract situation, two years. In two years. In two years. He can walk. He can't walk. They can. They can sign and get, trade. Yeah, they they can sign and trade for him, and he can make an offer if they know he's going to leave. But why? I definitely think he's he's going to have to get away from Thibodeau. Thibodeau will take years off his life. <laughs> right? It's it's a fact. Thibodeau Tibbs will take a lot a year off his life. You know. Um, Tibbs is is a grinder, and he expects his his players to be grinders. But he's a young player. Young players, you know, if you force them to grind, you're going to take years off their career. And um, you know, I just you look you you can't put weight and you can't overpractice young players. Right? It is anatomically um, deficient to to them being successful. It seems like Wiggins hasn't developed into his body yet. Uh, he's going to improve even more. He's had a good year this year, and it looks like he's going to get think, better and better. I think his skill training has been poor. I, I think that he doesn't know what to do every night. He he hasn't. Um, you know, it's like whoever's training him has watched this video of all the greatest moves, and then that's what they go through, right? And all you need is one base move. Catch the ball where you can make a shot. Once you make a shot, with his talent, you go around, the second guy's in trouble. Because he's going to jump over you or jump through you. And, um, you know, you watch. He, he came here. He, you know, he got gets off to this great start, and then he goes to this period where he can't touch the ball. You know, it's like having a, a, a great scorer in hockey, and all of a sudden, you know, no one will put the puck on the stick. Has he got the hunger yet? I know he's a young kid. He's got all the money in the world. And I know, I know it's a... Everybody says money has a lot to do with, with kids nowadays when, when they get all of that. They lose a little bit of their hunger. Uh, is he still at that stage where he's having too much fun? And he, he doesn't say – when somebody beats him up one night, he says, I'll show you the next time we're going to play. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat you up and, and spit you out. Does he have that demeanor in him yet? Well, this for me, I thought that the money would settle him down, in which I believe it has. I believe he is well-grounded with his mother and father, um, but he is he is not an extrovert. He is an introvert. I think that the money for for him, yes, he's a young man. He's going to have a little fun, but he loves to play basketball. The problem he's been in is that in Minnesota, you know, they've been in, in this uh, sinkhole of losing. And you know, I I've always said 
you can't leave young players in a losing situation because what you have done is the thing that they love to do, you have soured it. And the only out for them, all right, they got to live a clean life still. The only thing they have is money and stuff wanders. And so for me, and that comes from I played on two very bad pro teams. Indiana Pacers, we were horrible. And then I get traded to the Knicks and everybody get, gets injured, all right? And that's where, how they were able to draft Patrick Ewing. But everybody gets distracted, all right? Not that they're bad people, but you, the thing you love to do, putting on your skates, putting on your gym shoes, getting in there, working, it just sours you because you're surrounded by uh, inefficiency. Does he have the, does he have the uh, ability to be an elite player, Wiggins? Absolutely. I mean, he showed that he showed that you know, like the opening two quarters against the Raps. You know, it should have it should have been a fifty point night and a win, right? But again, coach doesn't know how to game the ball. See, once a player scores twenty points, it becomes a different offense, right? To get him the next twenty points, you have to do different things against winning teams, and so Tibbs makes no adjustments. And then I guaranteed, you know, he told Andrew, well, you know, you didn't stay focused, but. It, it doesn't. It doesn't work like that. Talking to Butch Carter, Lou Franceschetti. Of course, you're listening to the Nazanwali Sports Hour. We'll be right back after the break. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville announced that you can get a three-topping party pizza with 24 slices for just $24. It's perfect for large groups on a budget, like staff meetings, sports teams, or special ops units. Go, 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 go. So before you break down any doors, get a three-topping party pizza with 24 square slices for just $24. Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound 3636. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them every day. They've earned their trust. 
They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. They're not here to be nice. They're here to be right. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. And joining us in studio for our year-end show is, of course, Bush, Butch Carter and Lou Franceschetti. We're talking a little bit about Canadian basketball. And, Butch, we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, bring our listeners up to date in terms of your uh, endeavors. The Canadian Basketball League uh, Please bring us up to date. Tell us, uh, tell us what's going on and uh, where, where our listeners can enjoy some fine Canadian basketball. Well, our, our website is CanadianBasketball.com, and uh, we've got a game today uh, at 2 o'clock. Uh, it'll be our third game of the season. We'll play 60 uh, games during the course of the season with four teams. Uh, the teams are located, uh, one in Guelph, that it plays at the University of Guelph, uh, Scarborough team plays today at the Pan Am Center off of Morningside at 2 o'clock against uh, Hamilton, excuse me, against Wellington, uh, which is a Guelph team. We have a team in Hamilton that won its first game on Friday night um, in a very exciting game. Um, and we've got uh, Durham. Uh, Durham is coached by a, a former NBA player, Milt Palacio, um, and that team play, will play at Durham College. Um, I'd have to say, you know, I'm a little surprised at how efficient things have been. Um, but what I'm learning is that, you know, as soon as you learn something, there's five more things to learn. Um, because if you're doing something well in sports, uh, it just to elevate what you're doing, you, you've got to execute on something that, that you didn't think about. So, um, CanadianBasketball.com is our website. We are up and running, um. It's working the way I envisioned it working, and I expect in the second and third year we'll really be dynamite. Where you uh, where were you recruiting your players from? Tell us a little bit about the Pl- uh, quality of the play. Players are you know this morning between driving home and I, I think I had seventeen videos of from agents that sent me on players. Players are no problem. There are three hundred and fifty schools in the United States, and they produce a hundred draft hopeful kids every year. The NBA only needs thirty at the most. And so these kids stack up on top of each other. So the way we set the schedule up was to wait until the NBA D-League was done with their whole process so that the agent and the kid could sober up about where they had an opportunity to play. But I'm more likely to go younger instead of older. I told uh, two agents last night I'm looking for players that are between 17 and 21. And uh, th- that's where the value is uh, for the country, that we take some younger, talented guys and then we start having the older Canadian guys who've been in Europe playing and in China that they can come home and play. So my goal would be eventually that uh, the Canadian, it's a Canadian league for Canadian players, and they feel comfortable playing at home and helping us in these communities grow these assets, which are the franchises. It's the Canadian Basketball League. You can get tickets online at their website, CanadianBasketballLeague.com. Uh, we have our own ticket site, uh, okay. CBLTickets.com is our site to uh, to get tickets easy to remember cbl uh, tickets.com and w- we went that direction it brings a lot more financial value to And us. you're gearing uh, you're gearing some of your campaign towards family it's an affordable 
Sunday afternoon with the family watching some good basketball. Yeah, the kids' tickets, 12 and under, like eight, $8.75. So we wanted to make it very affordable. You, you're in the game and out in an hour and 45 minutes. We play at four really nice facilities, Mohawk, uh, Durham College, uh, University of Guelph has built a new five million gymnasium. I actually stood outside because it's donor construction. They were painting the floor last night uh, to look in on it. It's it's a great facility, and the the beautiful asset that's part of the uh, the Pan Am process, uh, which is the Pan Am Center on Morningside Drive. So it's the Canadian Basketball League. Butch, Naz, and I will be out to see you guys shortly. You're welcome we'll anytime. Come and see your product. Anyways, 2016. Uh, is shortly going to be behind us. And looking back on uh, some of the highlights of the year, and I wouldn't call this highlights, but some of the more newsworthy moments of the year, we lost three incredible giants of sports all in the same year. Uh, Certainly, if not the three most significant sporting figures of the 20th century, in in their own way, they were. And we lost them within a short period of time. Arnold Palmer, Muhammad Ali... Gordy Howe. I'll turn it over to you, Butch. Muhammad Ali. What's history going to say about Muhammad Ali? Ali was, was right. History shows that, you know, a, a, a personality that's in a time period can be so mentally advanced that he, he was ahead of everyone. And, and uh, Ali was. Um, what every, all these athletes are trying to do with social media, Ali did by himself with Howard Cosell. He was the best self-promote that's ever I've ever seen in, in my lifetime, and he did it in an atmosphere where he also had to stand up and say that said that going to fight in a war that he had nothing to do with uh, was wrong. As a young black man growing up, did he mean something different to he, to young black men of your generation? Um, he he represented that you could be a smart athlete. You got to remember up until then. The representation of the black athlete was that they were physically, had physical prowess and were not intelligent. And Ali was extremely intelligent. Um, Ali was rapping before Drake ever thought about rapping. Um, You know, his rhymes irritated people um, because it was an awakening. Uh, African Americans had done themselves a a large disservice because their representation uh, of their mental capabilities has always been short and uh it's a way for them uh, i guess not to be feel like they're being aggressive but the reality is that muhammad ali without a doubt is the smartest athlete of his time he represented himself as an athlete and his personal commitment on what was right and wrong with the constitution and they tried to take that away from him uh and he did not he did not bend Lou, Naz, Palmer, Ali, Howe, remembrances. Uh, you know, I, I, I met Gordy Howe on a few occasions uh, watching him grow up. Um, and obviously Arnold Palmer with the big clash between Arnold and, and Jack in, in the 60s. Uh, I didn't follow golf that much, but he he became more of a, uh, a stature for, for me uh, as I was getting older in the 70s, just the way the, the game of golf was going and uh, Arnie's army is just about the way he he had fun. He, he had a personality about him. Uh, the players nowadays, uh, there's no personality uh, whatsoever with uh, a majority of the players that are coming through. You, uh, Gordy Howe is Gordy Howe. 
He played the game one way, and that was hard. It went into the net. Uh, it was a straight line. It was from point A to point B. If he got in the way, he, you were either going to eat a stick or you were eating his elbow. Uh, and he really didn't take any prisoners. And that's the way they played the game in, in those days. And it was uh, it was just great meeting him. Uh, I played with his son, uh, Marty, down in uh, Binghamton for a year. And he was always around. He was a great gentleman. Came over and shook your hand. Uh, it was just unbelievable. And just the conversations we had at that time. Uh, it was all about hockey and having fun and and trying to do exactly what he did uh, when he was growing and growing up in Saskatchewan. Ali was no, without question, the best heavyweight ever in the, in boxing, and uh, his personality was absolutely terrific. Gordy Howe, the thing I noticed about Gordy Howe and Arnold Palmer is that everybody loved them. Nobody hated those that guy, those two guys. And that was the one thing, like he. People dis- some people dislike Jack Nicklaus, and some people dislike some of the other. In his Dolphins. earlier in his yeah, career, yeah. to be fair, I mean, he became a little bit more beloved afterwards. Yeah, but, but Palmer was. Uh, yeah, Palmer was a class act, and so was Gordy Howe. That's what I found from the, the three of them. Yeah, my personal uh, I'll throw my two cents worth in. Um, as you know, Naz, you and I have known each other for a long time. You, you're aware of the passion that I've always had for the sport of golf, and uh, I acquired that passion in. Uh, in the in the mid 1960s, from watching two golfers, one of course, Arnold Palmer was, he uh, more than perhaps anybody else gave me the passion for golf. I just loved the way he carried himself. He just had this swashbuckling way of he was charismatic, and uh, people warmed up to him. And the other great golfer who left us way too soon was George Knudsen, was the great Canadian golfer of the 1960s. And uh, I remember I remember caddying for George Knudsen at Oakdale Golf and Country Club at Jane and Shepherd. He used to come in every uh, every afternoon, uh, and he'd hit balls, and we'd four-caddy for him at like a 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, certainly great remembrances of, of three incredible gentlemen, um, uh, Arnold Palmer, Muhammad Ali, and uh, Gordie Howe. Lou? Uh, I think the best thing you can say about all three of them is they were, they were all true gentlemen. Absolutely. Uh, because they went out of their way to... To do things with the public, where where nowadays it's a little bit harder because it's just the difference in society. We've got a few minutes left on our show. Next Sunday morning is Christmas morning. I know Lou, you've got a you've got to hightail it out of here, but I know you're you're heading down to do something important today. So tell us what you're up to. Well, I'm just going to the Air Canada Center. There's a bunch of kids on the ice with their parents there, and uh, myself and Rick Natras uh, on behalf of the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, go down and uh, just say a few words on. Uh, not having those kids lose their hopes because they're playing A or Double A or even house league, uh, and tell us, tell them uh, our story of getting to where they want to go, and to not be discouraged and try to be good parents, which is uh, probably the best thing we can tell them, and have a lot of fun doing it. Well, that's certainly uh, that's certainly a great uh, thing you're doing, Lou, and uh, we'll let you get out of here. And before we let you go, Lou, we want to thank you for uh, taking the time for us this year and uh, coming down here and sharing your hockey insight with all of our listeners. And on behalf of Naz and I, and uh, I'm sure Butch as well, we wish you and your family a fantastic Christmas. Well, thank you, and uh, I want to wish all the listeners a a Merry Christmas and uh, promise you that the following year is going to be better than this year, and roll tide, roll. (laughs) (laughs) Take care. uh, Take care, Lou. Uh, few minutes left uh butch and i know uh i know all family's important to you uh, you had a moment on our show a few weeks back uh where you got uh, 
emotional uh, about family. But uh, uh-huh. Christmas, uh, your favorite Christmas memory? My favorite Christmas memory, I think. Uh, that's a tough one. I didn't, uh, I didn't set you up with that question ahead no, of time. No, I, th- I think it was uh, the first time um, I could send money home when I was a rookie with the Lakers and knew that mom could have a great Christmas for my brothers and sisters. I think that was, uh, I know that was the most important Christmas for me because uh, we had scrapped it in, uh, I can remember we got off, I was at Indiana University and we were we were given a time off to go and I got halfway home and, and my brothers were with me and I said, hey, where's the Christmas gifts? They said, we thought you got them. <laughs> so I had to t- turn around, drive back to Bloomington, <laughs> get the awesome. gifts out of the apartment, awesome. and, th- and then drive back home. And uh, But I think the first time that I really could uh, let mom go make her list and get what she wanted for everyone, that, that, was, uh, that was really important. And, I, and I, the other one was, I think... Uh, my first Christmas here, we had, we had, even though we lived here, we had a home in uh, in uh, Windermere, and so we'd have Christmas down there. And then it got so uh, uh, tough for my mother-in-law to travel. So the first Christmas we had here, uh, my wife did an outstanding job with with Christmas for everyone, and uh, it was nice to to be here and have my first Christmas in Canada. So you know that was for me. How about you, Wally? Uh, I, my favorite, my favorite Christmas memory is probably my earliest one. I was about four or five years old and it was like, we used to stay up till midnight at that time. And, uh, I walked <laughs> downstairs and, uh, and I, and my dad bought me a big table hockey game. Right. Yeah. Remember those old table right. hockey Sucky, games? Right. And I was happiest moment of my life other than my marriage, other than, other than my wedding day. But, uh. Uh, it was just, I have such an indelible memory of that table hockey game and just being downstairs with my brother playing on, on Christmas night. Naz? It's funny. It's probably it's my greatest memory, too. We had a table hockey game where the uh, puck was dropped from yeah, the uh, right. higher up and uh, the lights on the back of the network. Right. You know, you're seven, eight years old and you're going, holy smokes, this is the real thing. Yeah, certainly and, uh, yeah. Christmas is for children in a lot of way, but it's also for adults to make children. Uh, it's also for families to share it with your family. We just got a minute and a half left, two minutes, so hopefully they'll give us an extra minute. Very quickly, Naz, highlight of the year for you in the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Oh, the highlight of the year has to be the uh, interview with Dave Keon for sure, in, yeah. in studio. Uh, we it were was the only January ones 24th. Yeah. January 24th, we got Dave Keon in studio for the whole hour, and that was the night after they uh, announced him at the ACC where they had a special ceremony for him back in January. And... Uh, it was the highlight of the three years on the air for us, and uh, we've got a minute left, so it's that time where we want to give some thanks. And I know, Naz, you want to do it as well. But uh, we've been on the air almost three years, and we've had, we've had uh, it's, uh, it's always with a passion. I drive down the DVP every Sunday morning to do this show. Naz, it's always a pleasure being here with you. I give thanks to our sponsors, Pizzaville, Stephanie, Angelo and Nella, thank you so much for your support. You have no idea how much it means to us. Alta Infinity, Dominic. Claudio over at Steel's Paint. We know the challenges you faced, and uh, we really appreciate what you've done for us and the support that you've given us. 
To all our listeners, we got our ratings last week, and uh, I can only say that uh, we're thrilled to death by the support that we get from all of our listeners. Naz, um, I know the challenges you face, and I consider you my brother. Merry Christmas. I love you. Same to you. Thank you so much. It's been certainly a thrill to be able to do this show with you. Butch, to you and your family, have a fantastic Christmas, and thank you for everything and all the support you've given our show over the years, and we wish you the best of luck in all your endeavors. Thank you very much, and I wish both of you a very, very Merry Christmas and your families. To all our listeners, from the bottom of our hearts, have a fantastic Christmas. Have a fantastic holiday season. Have a fantastic New Year full of joy and health. We'll be back New Year's Day at 9 a.m. Thank you. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.